the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. We're aging as a society, but we also have a younger group of people that are putting off having kids while they're trying to get their student loans figured out and housing prices figured out. They eventually have kids. And some of the people who are going to be taking care of those kids also have a moniker called grandparents. So it's not just who you marry and how many kids they have and how many times everyone remarries and such. It's it's three generations right there. The grandparents, the kids, the boomers, the Xers, and the millennials. Ultimately is how we should probably say that. I'm going to talk about some of these issues and more. I think we have a new world order. Anytime you hear anyone that says we have a new world order, don't listen to the next thing out of their mouth. I think we're in a paradigm shift. Anytime someone says it's a paradigm shift, take it as a grain of salt, right? Right. My goal is to get you to retirement or continue to work as long as you can until you retire. Or it's up to you to figure this out. The S&P 500 is more than tripled in the last 10 years, saving the golden years. For a lot of people, um, it could get harder. The, the last 10 years have been so good. Do I expect the next 10 years to be that good? Not without creating significant inflation. But again, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, what a party you would have. I can't project that far out because we don't know what scenario will come with it. Interest rates were rising in 2019, but then in the end, you had a sinking China, U.S., kind of slowing down the world with a little bit of will they or won't they make a deal. So the next 10 years, it's, it's, I'll put it this way. Let me, let me give you an aggressive thought. I know you're saying, don't be toxic. Everything that Apple and Qualcomm, everything that they throw out there that has intellectual property will probably be compromised by China in the next seven years. So we got to stay hustling. You know, as Weezer said, can't stop the hustle, can't fight the hustle. We can't stop hustling because it's going to be stolen. So retirement advisors generally use historical returns when helping people project into the future and project retirement plans. That's a little bit tricky. They should be taking a closer look at assumed expected returns that they're building into retirement plans going forward, ratcheting up simulated savings needs. Because again, we can't really count on the S&P 500 tripling in the next 10 years just because it has in the last 10 years. People won't be able to spend as much throughout their lifetimes if returns start getting a little bit lower. That consumption could slow down the overall economy. So first thing that I kind of want you to think about is look at your age and look at how much money you have. By the time you're 30, I want you to have $100,000 saved because 100000 will become 200000 by the time you're 37. It'll become 400000 by the time you're 45. It'll become 800000 Oh, good. You see why it comes 1.6 million in basically your workable life to frame if you can get 100,000 saved by 30. 
Now, that doesn't mean I want you to take your foot off the gas because I don't know your spending. I don't know if you have a gambling problem. So I would expect lower returns going forward. That's the first thing that I'm expecting. So I feel comfortable with my, my assets. I've got a big, nice round number. I hit my retirement goal number. But now the kind of rules have changed a bit. It's been I got it there a little bit faster. I can't increase my spending unless I want to drain that pot. So this segment, I want you to come away with one thought. These are good times right now. 2019 markets hit record highs probably 10 plus times. It won't be heady returns forever. And there are going to be bad times. So a good tax qualified account like a 401k, 403b, 457. It's a great way to save for retirement. But then you start talking about pre-tax and tax investments later in retirement. Roth accounts, lovely after-tax money, I think are very appealing if you think the higher taxes are down the road. If you listen to CFP Chad Burton's show, he does the show here, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. He's got a great podcast. He's very analytical about um, how to fund your your 401k and how to fund your Roth. And he'll, he'll have an opinion. Even though it's not science, he'll have an opinion based on models. If stocks are more volatile than they were in the past, payout or income annuities could play a greater role in retirement. Here's one company that I like their annuities. Most annuities I don't like. I think annuities are oversold to 99% of America, in large part because the person who's selling them is saying, hey, don't you love your family? Don't you want to guarantee income? And they're kind of dropping out, you're going to pay me 6 to 9% for that guarantee. And in reality, it's not a true guarantee. You don't get perpetual income for life. You get your income that you gave them for life. But they, too, are going to have to lower their risk assumptions. If you look at the stock market and said, we doubled, we tripled in the last 10 years, that, you can't build that assumption. And you hope that the pension companies tripled in the last 10 years, their, their assets, but they didn't. So low returns are going to make it tougher for people to hit the rate increases of their Medicare. My mom's medical care every year goes higher. And if you throw in the kind of the, the room and board tied towards senility and, and Alzheimer's disease, is no good. So retirement's going to be a little bit different. I think you want to work longer if you can. I think you want to expose yourself to more risk while you're younger than you're comfortable with, if that makes sense to you. If you're one of those people where you see the market correct 10% and you just think you made a huge mistake and you can't believe that you worked all that time, stocks aren't for you because 10% corrections are normal. Australia has been using alternative investments in retirement plans for years, 10 to 30% in illiquid assets, private equity, hedge funds, infrastructure. I do kind of like some of the stuff that comes from Australia and New Zealand. New Zealand's got a savings plan when you go to work that you automatically save for your own retirement. It's, it's not an option. I would love to see the United States build something like that in. But again, people are like, it's my money. I should do whatever I want with it. I want to go get an AK, AR-45. But you don't have a retirement plan. But yeah, I want to shoot stuff this weekend. And that's the problem. Getting Americans convinced that you have to take care of yourself and not necessarily the government is going to take care of you. Save more now. Plan to spend less when you retire. That's kind of the concept that I really want to get in that segment is that save more now. Assume that the rate of returns are going to be lower. Assume that this may be as good of times as there are. Because I could say something kind of mean and cruel. I could say basically every piece of technology that we have, China's going to copy it in the next seven years. So our competitive advantage may not be all that in a bucket of chicken. And the way the Trump administration has handled this administ- uh, the political world, 
Uh, a lot of people think that China is going to have the upper hand economically with other countries going forward um, because world leaders don't really like being messed with and, and negotiated with in poor faith. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. One area that you could take a look at it, if you believe the Fed's going to continue to raise interest rates because the economy is doing well. When the economy does well, it tends to create inflation. And one way to fight inflation is what the Federal Reserve is trying to do is raise interest rates. When that tends to happen, gold does well. I'm not making the official recommendation. I'm just telling you there's an idea. It's all the worker by the regular action on any stocks mentioned. That's gold, Jerry. Gold! <laughs> President Trump is speaking today at the U.N., Facebook's down after the co-founders of Instagram resigned at the same day. Essentially the same letter, right? So that's out there. The gig economy pays just $828 a month. Driving for Uber and Lyft is no exception for a real job. The number of people participating in the so-called gig economy has increased significantly in the last five years. The increase was largely spurred by growing numbers of people driving for services such as Uber and Lyft. But most of the people are making, but very few people are making significant money. Most people only participate intermittently, and average monthly earnings have plunged. Some people got a little ahead of the curve in saying this was all the future of work. It's not all that clear that people are leaving their traditional jobs to do driving for other people. So transportation services dominate the gig economy. And the portions, uh, I, I would just, I would be cautious quitting your job, thinking you're going to drive for Uber and make big bucks. The average Uber driver makes $688 in 2013, but was down from 1006 in 2015. So it goes, uh, uh, it's less than $10,000 a year. Is that fair to say? In monthly income? So that's not going to pay a lot of bills for most people. The real money is in other areas, in my opinion. Interesting article on um, the Silicon Valley that was written. Uh, who was it written by? Uh, Tonza Loudenbach. She talked about the Silicon Valley hometown of Mark Zuckerberg and Tim Cook is relying on millionaires to keep the economy booming, and it signals a huge problem. There's a lot of truth of what's being stated right there. You don't have to think too much about it. But I think Palo Alto, we should just name it the capital of Northern California and let L.A. be the capital of Southern California. I know it's not a genius idea, but it's there. So the 94301, 8675, do you remember when we knew phone numbers? Well, think about this one. Zip codes, 94301. Um, it's home to Mark Zuckerberg, the zip code, Tim Cook, and Larry Page, and many, many, many millionaire and billionaire executives. Palo Alto's affluence runs deep. Uh, when I first got to the Bay Area, I wanted to see Palo Alto. I wanted to see what it was all about 20 years ago. 
the residents of Palo Alto in their two zip codes pay more than $1.5 billion a year in personal income tax to the state of California. And ultimately, there's an article in the Los Angeles Times where it's basically saying something along the lines of it ends badly for all of California if the Bay Area, if something bad happens to Facebook stock, Apple stock, uh, Google stock, LinkedIn stock, when something bad happens, I know LinkedIn's not stock anymore, but uh, when something bad happens, it's, it's very, very, very problematic for California because we're a state that gives so much in services to other people. Median household income in Palo Alto is $137,000 more than the double, that's more than double the United States median. And yet, anyone who's making $137,000 in Palo Alto consider themselves middle class because that income's not going to get into a home. There's people in Palo Alto who inherited their mommy and daddy's home. There's not a lot of fresh buyers unless you work at Google, Amazon, Apple, FaceTime, Facebook, FaceTime. <laughs> I'm a little under the weather, did I tell you that? Clammy today. So there's, there's also a big sense of inadequacy. There's a lot of depression because it's the home of the uber-rich. You know, the, the, the home of the uber-rich are the stewards of the town's booming economy. So Arnold Schwarzenegger's budget director, a guy named Michael Gnest, he said, we are very dependent on millionaires because 70% of California's revenue is derived from personal income tax, a nearly six-fold increase since the early 1950s. A hit to Facebook's or Google's or Tesla stock would be a hit to many. And it makes you wonder, because I just talked to someone less than a day ago, and you know, she bold-faced told me, I said, look at this listing. It's a piece of garbage. It's, one, it's a 1,400-square-foot house in San Mateo going for $1.4 million. It's $1,000 a square foot. So now if someone buys it, they're taking the tax basis of someone very low and replace it with someone very high. Usually that's how it works in California. Those tax dollars in property tax and income tax fund government programs in the less affluent areas. So I live in a town that I call Palo Alto North. Actually, I call it Shallow Alto North. That it's going to get crushed when the economy gets crushed. If the economy gets crushed. If the economy gets crushed. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, what a party we'd have. Because tax dollars fund government programs in less affluent areas. Uh, when you sign up for public school in Palo Alto North, they, they, they don't beg. They say, we have a suggested donation. $3,000 to $5,000. It's pretty crazy. You're like, isn't this a public school? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I am your Google. Don't ask Google questions, but here are the questions that people ask Google. 
Drum roll, please. Number 10. This is a top 10 list. How to save for retirement at 40. Number 9. How to save for kids' college. Number 8. How to save for a vacation. Number 7. How to save for an apartment. Sound familiar? Number 6. How to save for a down payment. Number 5. How to save for a wedding. I can fix that one for you. Don't do it. Number four, how to save for college. I can do that one for you. Uh, No English majors, no uh, liberal arts majors, uh, only math and science. Number three, how to save for a car. Number two, how to save for retirement. And the number one how to save question in America via Google, how to save for a house. kind of like that it goes wedding college car retirement house i kind of like to switch retirement to house is the number one question but i get it um those are all financial questions this is a show all about that right you know the how to save for a vacation I remember in my 20s, I thought I had to go to like big name destination vacations like Paris or Toronto, Vancouver, Canada, San Diego, California, the Riviera, all the fabulous places where people go on vacation. In my head, that was vacationing. And you know what? I was wrong. In your 20s, you're young, you're beautiful, your body works. If you can find an attractive mate... Someone who's attractive to you, that's when you should be like driving up and down the coast and camping. Later in life, you can do those expensive ones. So I got some opinions. Anyhow, and anyway, um, those are the biggest questions people have about money, according to Google. It's kind of interesting. Now, two income couples are surprisingly unprepared for retirement. That's one of those things that I grew up in a one-income household. My dad brought home the bacon. My mom fried it up in a pan. You know, like, we were cliche Americans. Now two-income couples are surprisingly unprepared for retirement, and that's a shocker. We have the little monkey. Mama takes some time off to raise a little monkey. But we're still kind of running it and burning the candle at both ends, right? One owner couple receive Social Security spouses benefit equal to 50% of the breadwinners, while 200 couples do not. That's just another problem that 200 couples often don't save enough in their 401k. Since 200 households generally earn more than 100 households, they need more savings. But only about half of the private sector workers have a workplace retirement plan. So a lot of people still aren't doing it right. I, my advice is save as much as you can early in life. When you are dual earners, try to try to save some money. Um, I eat leftovers. I have no problem doing that. Some people do. You know, this is hilarious. I once had a really good friend in college, and she was telling me about what it's like to be. She's kind of a pretty girl, so she had pretty girl problems. And she goes, "When I was a little girl, I had dreams that I would go out to dinner every night with a different guy in the big city." And I'd get a doggy bag from the restaurant. Oh, it was such a what? Like that was her, that was her end goal was to go to nice restaurants, eat well, and bring home leftovers. But kind of bringing home leftovers doesn't really add up, though, right? That's not how any of this works. 
my advice is try to be savers instead of spenders early in life but don't be afraid to spend later in life that's I know you're saying that's very very wise Rob because when you're young and you're saving you get that ability of how shall we say time is on your side Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are trolling one another. Oh, no. When billionaires feud, um, Elon Musk tweeted at Jeff Bezos, calling him a copycat. Now, hasn't Elon Musk gotten into enough troubles with tweeting recently? Amazon's plan to launch 3,200 satellites into orbit with the intention of delivering high-speed internet to the globe's more remote regions. It's called Project Kuiper. And Musk is trolling to Amazon about it because he's like, yeah, we kind of already said we were going to do that. I know you're saying billionaire problems. Can, can I just get a Whopper with made with real meat instead of the vegetarian Whopper? No. No. Now you got to get the Miracle Whopper. Where's the beef? Anyhow, and anyway, where is the beef? That's a very good question. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, so don't be shy. Tiger Woods is back. Uh, one of the things I've noticed with him playing golf recently is he's not using Nike clubs because Nike doesn't make clubs anymore. When Tiger Woods went down, he brought the golf division of Nike down with it. Kind of interesting, right? Oh, my God, no You're going, I had no clue. Yes, yes, tis true, tis true. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. So Tiger Woods, back in golf and how important it is to uh, endorse clubs. Now, here's a question. Is that endorsement wearing the logo on your clothes still as worth as much as maybe getting a YouTube influencer? I would think the YouTube influencers are starting to win out. I like studying rich cop companies, rich people, rich families. The rich families is one of the best. The origin stories of superheroes, you always got to like. Peter Parker, teenage kid, wants to kiss a girl, gets these incredible powers. With great power comes great responsibility. Can't kiss girls because bad guys will kill girls. <clears throat> right? The origin stories of companies like Bacardi... Suntory and Campari are kind of like superhero stories. You can play the music. Because the thirst for rum has pumped billions of dollars into family's coffers. Maybe they're not superheroes. Maybe they're evil geniuses. But the Bacardi family goes back to 1862. Can you imagine winning that lottery of a ticket of a family? Cardi rum and Cokes are thrown back every day. About six million of them. It's a classic cocktail. It's known as the Cuban Libra. It sells 17 million cases of Bacardi rum a year. And then you get other families like the Negronis. Um, Contro. It's pretty interesting when you start thinking about drinking dynasties, right? I know you're like, whoa. Some of them go back really, really far. Contro, Remy Contro. My name is Era Dubradul. The Dubradouls. 1724. That's 1,300 years of passing the, the, the company down in the family. Whoa. Not too shabby, right? 
How about Campari? They've been around since 1860. These are all billion-dollar brands. Pernod Ricard, 1805. But the Suntory, the Saji and Tori families, and that's how you get Suntory, you kind of merge those two names, uh, $22 billion. So yes, you can look at the origin stories of superheroes. You can look at the origin stories of, of wealth. And that's one where you're keeping a family business in the family, right? So estate planning laws are kind of important. Making sure your kids have a trust is kind of important so they, they can't go out and be like a Paris Hilton and be known for kind of a sex video and saying the phrases, that's hot, that's hot, that's hot. Now, again, I, I don't take anything away from either Hilton girl. Uh, both of them have, have developed huge brands in fashion and partying. Um, and there, there's something to be said for that. That takes effort. 800-516-1228. Get your calls in the air. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey says he only eats one meal a day and fasts all weekend. And people are concerned that he has an eating disorder. Let, who cares? That's the one that I'm going to throw out there. Who cares? Now, the anti-vax commentary, get vaccinated or go live in a cave. So we all have like these wellness habits and these like these ideas, right? And we're all opinionated. No one really, really wants to hear them. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, Ed Yardini says the stock market can keep rising. Interesting. Basically saying that capitalism has kind of got a little mixed up with throwing the Federal Reserve going on hold and not letting capitalism do capitalism's thing. It's kind of extending the winning streak. Boeing. Obviously, 2019 is going to be an interesting year. Obviously, there was plane crashes with the Boeing 737 MAX that they had to get their ducks in an order and, you know, deliver a safety solution. But on top of it, they have to continue to make planes and deliver planes. Those are not easy things to do. Now, they've lost an order. So when they do their conference calls, those are a good one to listen in on. Um, If you've never listened to a conference call, I highly suggest you do at some point in time. Speaking of which, um, I've got a lot of great downloadables. You can find them at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. CFP, Chad Burton, myself have put them together. And I I feel pretty good uh, about what you can grasp and digest and understand. Learn more at newfocusfinancial.com. A new one on the tips of managing volatility. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. One of the areas that I see a lot of people make mistakes at, most of most financial mistakes I see that drive me the craziest are young people. And I kind of think that old people will get, and this is going to sound harsh, they're going to get what they kind of deserve in the end if they didn't save. And there's nothing I can do to help those people. So it's frustrating. Like, my best advice to someone who says, I haven't saved any money, I just turned 45. You know, I know that i got to start getting on it. 
I'm like, work till the day you die. Start with that expectation. Because that's what's, how it's going to play out. My brother Clint sent me a message on LinkedIn, which is always kind of weird. He, go, he basically I said that I had that job anniversary that pops up, and everyone's like, congrats on your job anniversary. Um, he said, I'm going to retire in a couple years. And I'm like, okay, good for you. You know, like he ran into a situation where my brother Clint's kind of a unique bird. So that tells you like he's 63-ish or 60. I don't even know his, his age. But uh, he worked overseas. He was kind of a hippie. If you, back down, if you go back and do the math backwards, you can kind of figure out that, you know, that was the counterculture time of tell your dad, you know, I'm going to smoke dope and get in trouble. My brother Clint was actually arrested when he was a high school senior, and he was an Eagle Scout for selling marijuana. And it hit the local paper. Front page said, uh, Eagle Scout Black arrested selling dope. And my dad at that point in time was a crap dad for the rest of, the, the rest of his life. Well, until my, sister, until my sister came along. I should be more fair about that. Um, but Clint's going to retire soon. And it just, it, again, it makes me start thinking, well, what do I need to do? Um, but I can't help people who, uh, oh, and the thing that he worked overseas because he kind of figured out stuff late in life and uh, kind of went to like a community college kind of thing and um, he got a job in Saudi Arabia. And he did that for 23, 24 years until they started cutting off Americans' heads over the Middle East and Saudi, the company that he was working for said, you got to go back to the States, bud. We can't protect you. Um, kind of a true story. So when he was 50, he comes back to the United States and uh, no one wanted to hire him. He's an old dude. Companies want young people. They don't want old people. And uh, that's just a fact. It's sad, but it's true. So the people that I really like helping the most are young people. Because it's not as depressing. Before you get married, for instance, and before you get into a relationship, because a lot of people aren't even marrying these days, you should write down all the debts you have. I call it, I'll show you mine, uh if you show me yours, debt levels. So, and you can do a credit report. Go to like a credit karma Show your credit report. Share this kind of information. If you have any late payments, share that information. Why did you miss them? I think your spouse will want to know at some point in time, and if they don't, you guys shouldn't be getting married, in my opinion. And again, I'm pretty judgmental when it comes to money issues. When you're young and moving in with each other, living with each other, even when you're older, how much money do you actually make? I don't want to embarrass my spouse, but um, her job is more of a charitable thing than it is a paycheck thing. It'd be great if she did it in a small town like Tallahassee, Florida, but in the Bay Area, it's twenty-five thousand a year is not a salary. I mean, she could, in theory, apply for food stamps, right? Um, but you need to know these this kind of information. Do you want to work full-time until you retire? When do you want to retire? What plans, what changes will we make when you retire? How do you plan to make them? Before you get married, you should have these questions. Before you move in with each other, you should know these things. 
like, let's say, you know, earlier in the show, I talked about the average car debt's now over 30000 plus. Is the person driving around a new car and they're going to trade it in every two years? That's kind of a jerk move to do to a couple, to do to your spouse. Uh, do you expect your partner to work full-time or not? If there's a baby involved, do you expect your partner to full work? What percent of your budget, your family budget now, your household budget, if you're living with someone, what percentage are you going to pay of that and what percentage are they going to pay of that? Or are you going to cover it all? Will you become bitter? I could send out a list of questions if you want. It's not that hard. Um, but these are questions that if you can't answer, you really shouldn't shack up. How much credit card debt is acceptable? I could tell you that my credit card debt is paid every month so that I don't carry a balance. I, I may carry a balance, but it's not... You know, I don't get hit with interest charges. So I pay off last month's balance, but there's some stuff that's always added to it before that. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? So I can tell you that number's gone bigger on me. I've used credit cards more in the last five years than I did, you know, in my 20s. So I've changed. Um, did my partner change with me? I have an old bank account from Bank of America. It's old. And it helps my credit report because it shows that I don't change banks a lot. It shows that I've got some consistency in my world. Um, I didn't want to put a spouse's name on it. I didn't want to change anything, per se. First couple of houses I bought, I had to buy in my name because her credit wasn't good. So that puts stress on a relationship. Uh, if you're married, it doesn't really matter. It's a... The laws in California basically say what's yours is hers and what's hers is yours uh, on a lot of levels. But if you have, like, say, an inheritance, don't put your spouse's name on that. Um, because if you get a divorce, if their name's on it, boom, they just got half of your inheritance. Um, and again, I'm being pessimistic, maybe. How many children do you want to have? When do you want to have your first kid? Do you ever want to move out of the state of California? These are questions you got to ask. And that's how you can help young people. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial.